Our reality is but a dimension, the uppermost layer in a tower of mirrors. Beneath it are the many reflections cast by our reality, similar but not entirely the same. A staggering number of worlds, lands beneath a dark sun, a world of three moons forsaken by the gods, realms long forgotten, and countless thousands more. You are about to enter one such reflection, a world still recovering from a magical apocalypse, a place where magic is regulated, goblins trade their wares throughout the lands, and the north is dominated by giants. Today, the sun rises over Hymurin and the Wilderin. This is An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. And now, Chapter 1 of An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. One year ago, a group of heroes called the Protectors defended the fairy town of Birch Grove from a series of attacks by creatures known as the Faceless Ones. They've never been encountered again since the Protectors' victory over the mysterious creatures, but tales of mysterious travelers within the Wilderin are often told. Since Birch Grove, strange things are happening in the Wilderin. Things never experienced before. Murders, sickness, and the trees have grown silent. This cannot bode well for the ancient wood. The town of Forest Glen has recently fallen under the grip of a strange sickness. Small red spots have appeared on many of the residents, mostly the children. With the spots come a fever, chills, and ultimately, death. Mokui and Sun Glistens on the Water have arrived in the town to help administer healing to the sick. Dash, Longway, and Madri have come to help as well. Today, you have accompanied Mokui into the forest to assist him in collecting the herbs and mushrooms that he and Sun need to complete their salves, potions, and tinctures. Your journey has taken you to the edge of the Wilderin, the ancient forest you call home. You are on the edge of the Wilderin, not an area where you visit rather frequently. Most of the goings-on happen in the very center of the ancient wood, uh, deep within the forest. But in this instance, the herbs, mushrooms, and whatnot that you require for your tinctures and salves generally grow on the outermost ring of the forest. You haven't seen earrings since the Battle of Birch Grove, nor has anybody else for that matter. You assume your friend is still wandering among the forest, as he always has, but you're not certain. As you're putting the last of your woodland harvest in your pouch, you look out from the tree line and see a man frantically running towards the tree line. Over his shoulder is a messenger bag. Behind him, several horses and riders. Four dark riders sit atop black horses. They are garbed all in black and wear wicked horned helmets, much like the faceless ones. The running man looks behind him as he races towards your location, seemingly to gauge the distance between him and the riders, but they do not pursue. One of the riders lifts a black gauntleted hand. He holds it a moment while another draws an arrow. The hand drops and the arrow flies. It strikes the man in the back, sending him sprawling forward. The man rises, pops a gout of blood, and begins his frantic run anew. Again, an arrow is loose, and again he falls. Yet again he rises, only be struck again and again. Eventually he makes it to the tree line and falls at your feet, Mokui. Gripping your ankle, he says, help, with a gurgle. I will start to administer healing, just to try to get him stabilized, and then I will use cure light wounds on him. Do you have medicine? Uh, yes, I do. Will you roll me a medicine check, please? 24. It is evident to you that no matter what magical healing or ministrations you give to him, that he's too far gone. He's at death's door. I will look to Dash and say, we need assistance. We need help. 
How far are we from the village? You're about a half a day's walk. The village is on the outermost rim of the Wilderin, isn't deep into the forest. The forest is massive, but it's still about a half a day's walk. There's not a lot in the way of roads that you took to get to where you are. Mostly it's footpaths. Okay, um, so Dash is staring at the dark riders and talking over his shoulder to Mokui and says, the, what do you need? Because I don't think I can get anywhere fast enough. I would look to Longway and Madri, who are in the process of plucking various herbs and mushrooms, holding them up so the other can see. Occasionally one nods or shakes their head no. When they shake their head no, whatever it is they're holding is cast aside and a new one is presented. I will yell for them to come over. You hear a yell from Mokui. It is a yell of of urgency. Uh, anything in my hands is immediately dropped, and I'm going to run to Mokwe and wish a sidelong glance over to Madre and a nod, and I'm breaking to a run. Madre nods back, carefully tucks whatever is in his hands into his pouch, and also trucks it towards Mokwe. It's a short run to where Mokwe is. He's not that far from you. Dash is already alongside of him, seemingly staring off outside of the wood, focused on the plains that lie outside the wilderness. And at Mokui's feet, there is a cloaked man. His, do, do we see the arrow sticking out of his back? There's right. quite a few arrows sticking out of right. his back. Seeing arrows sticking out of his back and Dash looking off into the plains. I have to assume that as we move to the edge of the forest, we're going to see these mounted figures? Yes. I'm going to move out towards the edge of the wood, about 20, 30 feet, draw my sword and take a stance. Madri would also do the same. He'd immediately hunker and, and get ready for, you know, assessing the situation, look down, look up, get ready for a fight. I climb Madri. They remain totally motionless, but one of them, the one in the middle, he casts his gaze across the three of you. You can see his helmet nod. Do they do anything? They do nothing. No weapons are drawn. Madre, let's not engage. We don't know exactly what's going on. They're quite far away from you. The tactician in you believes that were you to race out to meet them on the plane of battle, you would probably fall from arrows as the man did that ran into the wood. There's just too much distance. You don't see any arrows out on the plains. Calling over my shoulder, Mokwe, what is the condition of the gentleman? He's not going to make it. So I'm trying to see what happened. Why'd they shoot him in the back? It was obvious that he was running away from them. Right. That was what presented but, but itself But I'm to wondering them. if he has something because carrying a messenger bag that they wanted and why ain't they coming any closer now? Sometimes the mind digs deep into the serpentine. Adrenaline rules and the maimed body becomes ferocious, fighting to the end. Pain be damned. Other times, nothing exists but screaming raw pain and helplessness. The shattered body giving in beheading either in the arena or on the block would be mercy compared to the sin of this lingering brutality. It's obvious that this man is in a great deal of pain. His passing is not going to be easy or pleasant. His life is torn from him at a heavy price, a final testament to the journey he'd traveled. He pulls back his hood to reveal a middle-aged tiefling. He has a noble bearing like aristocracy, despite his road-worn clothes. He holds a satchel that bulges at the sides in his right hand. It looks like it's threatening to burst open, like whatever the contents are had to have been jammed into the bag. On his left breast sits a large rat. He strokes it gently, and his death takes him. The rat dissipates in wisps of smoke. That sucks. I will see what's in the bag, because I'm going to assume that that's what all this was about, and then I'll put that to the side, and then they end up with Madri, Longway, and Dash. As you look in the bag, it looks like an acorn, a gigantic golden acorn with silvery runes inscribed across the cap. 
Can I read these runes? Do you have lore, history, arcana? I have a basic understanding. Whichever, whichever one is highest you may use. 13. They're old. You identify them as very old. You can't really read them. There's words in there that you recognize as maybe root words to languages that you're somewhat familiar with. You've heard them being spoken, but you really can't read it effectively. With that said, I'm just going to look over to Longway and Madri and say, what do we do with them? And I point to them over there. It's my guess that they are unable to pass to the edge of the wood. The wood itself protects itself. We know this. And certain evil entities cannot enter. Let's take whatever he has and him and retreat into the woods. They're not going to follow. Sounds good. Regrets. So I'm just going to back up. Keep my eye on them, but I'm just going to back up to the edge of the wood. And as I get to the edge of the wood, I'll slowly turn, look over my shoulder, see if I get a reaction, but then I'm just going to step into the wood. They don't seem to react to you at all. As you enter the wood, they hold their formation. Make my way over to Mokwe and pick the body up and start heading into the wood. To we're, I'm sure we have a camp somewhere nearby and start heading to that camp. Who has the satchel? I do at the moment. So as you're getting the satchel and putting it over your shoulder, you note that the riders begin to move. In which direction? Towards you. As they start moving in your direction, there is an image almost like a curtain being parted where the world you're in is on the fabric of the curtain. And when it's parted, you see something beyond that curtain. And foot soldiers come in. You recognize them instantly as faceless ones. That skeletal face and brutish, hairy body. Their leather harnesses and hammered metal decorations. Their necklaces of teeth and ears and bone. And they immediately start a run towards your direction, led by the riders. And I'm going to yell... Here they come and start running toward the wood. Earring, there are times when you just sit in the trees in feline form and gaze across the lands outside the wilderness from the smoke and smog of Shazablazinstees to the mountain ranges of the Empire of Swords to the northern reaches of the kingdom of Dragonfell. You wonder what the people of those lands are doing, what their customs are, and if others of your kind secretly live among them. On this day, you are doing just that when you notice your friends Mokui, Longway, and Dash walking along the outside edges of the wilderness. You smile as you think to yourself, perhaps I can sneak up on them give them a start. It is not long before you notice the riders, the runner, and the horsemen on the plains outside of the wilderness. Then the drama unfolds. You witness the man dying. You witness the riders approaching the wood on their horses. You witness the curtain being parted between your world and some other world somewhere. And the foot soldiers come out. You recognize them instantly as the faceless ones that you battled only a year prior. And now your friends begin to run, carrying a package and a dead man. Approximately how far away am I from all of this? You can easily catch up with your friends and cut them off in your feline form. How far away am I from the riders? The riders, you think, are about a quarter of a mile away from the edge of the forest. So a quarter of a mile away from me? A little bit more than that. The riders will certainly make it to the forest edge before the foot soldiers do. Gauging between the riders, the foot soldiers, and my friends, do I think the riders will catch my friends before they get to the woods? They will definitely overcome them at some point in time, unless they're crafty and they hide, but the riders will certainly catch up with them at some point. 
how long that'll take, you're not too sure. It seems like their horses move a little bit faster than, than the horses that you're familiar with. They're already inside the wood. They're just kind of at the edge of it, looking out. But before they get to the deep wood, by what you're thinking, you're certain they'll be caught. And there are four riders? There are three. It's hard to tell how many foot soldiers. You gauge perhaps a dozen. And how close are the riders to each other? They're riding in a pretty tight formation. So I'm going to come out of the woods and have my longbow and hold my action until the riders get close enough for me to attack. So you leap down from the tree in your feline form and you're transforming into your more humanoid form. I would keep the feline form. Keep the feline form. So you ready your bow? Mokui, Badri, Dash, Longway, what are you doing? Until I am told, I'm continuing to keep running. Running retreat, brother? We'll take up the rear. At some point, okay, when we have cover, pass that bag to Dash. Okay. Dash, I don't even know what's in the bag, but it's important. Get it back to our camp. And then from there, we'll regroup as best we can. And then from there, we make back for the grove. I will hold a hand down and put it in front of Madri's face, seeing as I am riding the shell, and continue to stare at the riders because they are my target right now. And then we'll see if we can find some kind of cover. So they're going to overtake us around horses. That's fine. There's three of them, and we can hopefully dispatch or disband them before the foot soldiers get here. That's what I'd like to do. But in the meantime, we need to pass that off to Dash and have Dash get that out of here. Okay. That's obviously their target. Let's get it out of here. That's what I'll do. That'll be my, what I'm going to do is give Dash the bag. Let him take the satchel. I feel it. I will take a quick look down at my hand, push the flap so that I can see that there's little runes on top of this big huge golden acorn do i recognize anything on it that i can read give me a roll whichever is higher arcana that's a seven it's pretty i will throw the loop over my shoulder tap madri on the head just before i stand on his head and launch forward in the direction they are running and as soon as i hit the ground i will start dashing dash launches off your shell Madri, almost before his feet touch the ground, they're in motion, and he races into the forest and almost immediately disappears in the underbrush. Excellent. Now let's look for a little bit of cover in a defensible spot. We can get a little bit of height, and then let's uh, engage these riders. Sounds like a plan. If they're still on a horse, target the horses. I was thinking we should take the horses out first. Exactly. You find yourself what you think to be an appropriate area to make your stand. There's enough cover around you that you can hide or attempt to hide. There's enough cover around you that you think it may be difficult for the horses to traverse it to get to you. There is a slight elevation, a bit of a bump, not quite a hill. That's good. I'm going to pull out my longbow, string it, put several arrows in the ground, and wait till I have an open avenue so I can at least get a few arrows out and see what I can do about reducing the numbers of rideable horses. Madri? I think Madri's just going to uh, enact patient defense. He's going to sit there and and just wait. He'll take a position behind a a pretty large, sizable tree. Once they come into range, he's going to try and take out one of these horned horse men. Mokui? I'm going to use one of my wild shapes. And I'm going to shape into a dire wolf. You summon your inner wolf, and you feel it deep in the pit of your stomach. It's almost like someone's squeezing your insides. Bones crackle. There is a howl, but the howl is not the howl of a wolf. The howl is someone in a tremendous amount of pain. You can feel the claws growing from your fingertips, the leathery soles on the bottom of your feet beginning to form. There is an insatiable bloodlust that overtakes you. The cries of pain that you know are Mokui 
become intermingled with that of a wolf, and there is a great howl where your friend once stood. We witnessed this a few times already. So I'll just look back over at Madre and go, the hounds arrived. I just sit there and wait. And then the riders burst into the forest. I loose an arrow. So off it goes. Once I have an open attack, the arrow is loosed. Uh, that is going to be an 11. Probably not going to hit. 11 is a miss. Dash, you continue your run, your sprint, your dash, if you will, through the forest towards the camp. I am ducking through the underbrush. Uh, wherever there's a fallen tree, I leap up in order to get a glance over my shoulder and see if anybody's following me yet, and I keep going. Madri? So they busted into the clearing. Are we in range now? For melee, no. Madri just, uh, he waits. Mokwe. Mokwe waits. He gets in his uh, crouching stance. Hearing the riders have broken through the tree line. While you can't see them, you know your friends are, are close by. You heard the howl of the wolf and the cries of Mokwe. You heard the whistling of an arrow. You assume it came from Longway's bow. Can I see the middle rider? You can see... The middle rider, he has partial cover from the riders on either side of him, and he appears to be the leader. His horse is slightly ahead of the others, so he will come into view frequently, but as the other horses on either side of him catch up, it provides him with some partial cover, so you can't see him in its entirety. And he is within range. He of... is within range of your longbow. All right. As a bonus action, I'm going to cast Zephyr Strike on myself, and then I'm going to attack the middle rider. You summon the energy of the Wilderin, and there is a swirl of magical energy around you. You're, it ruffles your fur ever so slightly, and you can feel the surge of energy enter your body. Have advantage. Well, that sucked. I double botched. Two ones? Two ones. <laughs> My goodness. There is a, a twang as your bowstring snaps. Do we hear this? No. I throw the bow to the ground. I draw my battle axe and I move forward. Are you walking? I'm running because at this point I have to go into melee and I might as well catch up to wherever my friends are to meet the foe. It'll be a couple rounds before they, they get to you. We interrupt this podcast of an acorn journey to talk about our sponsor. Are you a veteran DM with more campaign ideas than prep time? Yeah, of course you are. Aren't we all? Does your party have a habit of going to the person or place that you would least expect? If they're like my group, they sure do. What if I were to tell you that I could put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk to cut down on your campaign prep? What if I were to tell you that you could bring them along with you at your game sessions for when those pesky players go off the rails. Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we could do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there. And there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy-and-pastable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. I've been running games for the better part of 40 years, and I must admit, I've gotten a bit lazy. I just don't have the time I used to. And I've been using Terrain, which is minimizing my need for descriptive narratives. Stuff is right out there in front of you. Why describe it? When I was prepping for an Acorns journey, a DMD story, I used Describe quite a bit. When you listen, you can hear it. One of the things I like the most about Describe is that if the narrative doesn't fit perfectly with your encounter, it's easy to modify while still sounding really good. I did that an awful lot. I think this makes the more than 6,000 narratives that they have available for you even more valuable. It almost doubles what you have at your fingertips. 
You should give it a shot. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B.com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to an acorn's journey, a DMD story. Zephyr Strike gives me an extra 30 feet of movement, so I'd have double move. So you would you would reach them But I have double before, move for this one round. And yeah, then. before they reach your friends. But you have a couple rounds before they get within melee range of you. So long way if there's something you want to do. As cover breaks and as the opportunity provides, I'm going to lose a couple more arrows. So just to see if I could disrupt their charge or, or or at least get them to know that they're not the only ones with a bow. Are you aiming for the horses? Or are you aiming for the well, riders? Well, I'm going to aim I'll aim for the riders if I have clear cover but with the horse's head and the movement it's a lot, the horses are bigger targets and when they're on foot that slows them down which gives me a couple more bow attacks. So if the riders present themselves as they turn, I will aim at the rider but my target was initially the horses, so I'll take whatever opportunity I can I can put together. The horses are a clearer target. As they present themselves, so I just lobbed out an 18. That is a hit. I'll let you decide what, which horse I hit, because it's going to be one of those, as they weave and bob and, and things like that, that's going to be nine points of damage. Your arrow sinks into the front of one of the charging horses. It is the one to the far right. The horse stops just a little bit before it regains its momentum, now lagging behind the others with one of your arrows protruding from its chest. And I'm sure I'll get at least one more attack from the distance. That's gonna be another 18, and that's gonna be another nine points. And that horse goes down with its rider. Let them deal with 1,800 pounds of, of rolling flesh. Dash? Uh, at this point, I am still running. Madri's still holding your position. Uh, when Medri sees this horse go down, uh, he starts to gauge the distance, see how far they, far away they are. Probably still wouldn't be able to make it in a round to get the, the downed combatant, right? No. Okay. Yeah, he helped. Oakley would be holding as well. And Earring, you manage to cut in behind the two riders. They're a bit ahead of you, so getting an attack in with them is not possible. However, one of the horses fell. You see a couple arrows sticking out of it. The rider is still strapped into the saddle. He's got one foot free, but the other leg is pinned under the horse, and he seems to be struggling frantically to get his leg out from under the horse. He looks pretty battered from the fall he took. I'll free his leg by cutting it off. You're so helpful. You have advantage. What good that did me last time. (laughs) (laughs) 21 this time. That is a good hit. 10 points of damage. As he sees you approaching, he reaches for his sword and is frantically trying to pull it from its sheath, but his body weight and the horse's body weight has the sword effectively pinned between him, the horse, and the ground. As you raise your axe up over your head, you're aiming for the the leg, are you? I'm going to free his leg. You bring your battle axe down, and you can feel the give of flesh and the crunch of bone, you take the rider's leg from his hip. He shrieks. It's the first time you've heard any sort of sound from any of these creatures. He falls back, two gasping breaths, and then he dies. How far away are the soldiers? There's quite a distance between you and them. They're just approaching the tree line now, and they should be through the tree line in another few rounds. Are there any saddlebags on the horse, or does the rider have any pack? The horses have no saddlebags. There's nothing but a saddle, the barding, and 
all the accoutrements that a rider would need on their horse, but no saddlebags. The riders are dressed in leather breeches and ringmail armor. There's no things that you would normally expect to find on someone, like a coin purse or a bag or a pouch or, or anything of that nature to carry things in. It is just weapons, the sword, a dagger, and he does have a bow and arrows. Uh, longbow or yes. shortbow? Longbow? I'll grab the longbow, and then I'll start heading towards the other riders. Um, if I have the opportunity, I'm going to take another shot. So that, that's so far been relatively effective. I've seen a horse go down. That's going to be a 14. Horse or rider? I'm going to shoot the horse because, A, as a soldier, I know horses are a tactical massive advantage, number one. Number two, again, as a if a horse goes down and a rider's on it, that's 15, 1,800 pounds of flesh twisting and turning, and I've seen that happen before. You sometimes get a two for one. So does a 14 hit the horse? 14 does hit the horse. Just being because of the barding. Uh, That's going to be an eight. Eight points damage. Uh, Another arrow whizzes through the air, strikes the horse. The horse whinnies in in pain, but it continues its charge. It's got an arrow sticking out of its rear flank. I'm going to continue to do this until I know they're going to be maybe 60, 90 feet away, at which point I'm probably not going to be able to get it loose another attack with the the bow, I will just drop the bow to the ground behind me and draw my sword. And that would be now. That's what I'm going to do. Dash is still on his run. Dash is just about hit half a mile of running, so I'm going to start looking for a tree that has birds in it. Pick a tree, any tree. I climb the blue uh, spruce that's over on the left, and I cast uh, Speak with Animals. And as I'm going up the tree, I'm like, hi, don't worry, I'm coming. I need to talk to you. Okay. And I'm going to climb until I hit the nest. All right. So you climb, you have found a nest. I continue talking to the bird. I ask it if, in the spirit of the great eagle, if I can borrow its eyes for a little bit. It nods its head. I cast beast sense. Tell me what that does. You touch a willing beast for the duration of the spell. You can use your action to see through the beast's eyes and hear what it hears, and continue to do so until you use your action to return to your normal senses. While perceiving through the beast's senses, you gain the benefits of any special senses possessed by that creature, though you are blinded and deafened to your own surroundings. I ask the bird to fly back to the battle so I can see what's going on. Bird looks to you, looks to the eggs in the nest, looks to you, looks to the eggs in the nest, almost as though... I will sigh, and I will uh, wrap myself around the eggs without putting too much weight on them. Are you sitting on them? No. I am wrapping myself around like a cat as opposed to, you know, sitting on them like an elephant. Satisfied with your effort, the bird, a robin, takes flight. You are able to see everything that's going on. One thing you do notice that wasn't there before is a very familiar cat form that seems to be running up from behind on the riders. I'm just going to circle and keep an eye on it for now and I'm going to stay in that form until I determine whether or not the riders are coming after me or these guys take them out. Very good. How long does it last? Up to an hour. Up to an hour? Okay. Does it allow you to control the bird or just see through its eyes? See through its eyes, use its senses. Okay, but you have no control. So he's just flying around right now. Or well, she. Madri? Madri, seeing that the horses are closer, steps out from his base and uh, starts trucking it towards the horses. He's running directly at the horses. Once he's in range, he's going to drop down into his shell right in front of the horses (laughs) and uh, create a boulder. (laughs) 
<laughs> like maybe five feet in front of the horses, he goes full into his shell, increasing his his armor class and creating a bit of an obstacle. You see Madri race out to seemingly to meet the horses. He stops halfway between you and the horses and disappears into his shell. It's always fascinating not only to watch Madri run because he's not very aerodynamic, and despite that, he moves at quite a good clip. But then to watch him dive into his shell is always fascinating to everybody. Not having a shell yourselves, you can't help but wonder how that works. But now he is effectively a boulder with a backpack. Mokui? And how far did he stop in front of the horses and track them to the shell? He stopped about 30 feet. So he's about 30 feet from the horses. Which that are, yes, and they'll be on top of him in a matter of seconds. So and how far is he from me? He is about 60 feet. Oh, Madri? Yeah, Madri. Madri's about 30-ish feet from you. As soon as they are within 50 feet, I am going to make a run to Madri, jump off of his shell, and try to bite one of the horses in the neck. I have a movement of 50, so I'm going to wait till it gets to within range for me to do that, but I'm going to use him to give me some height advantage. Height. The riders are in your preferred range. And I will make that a charge. 23. And you're going for the horse? Yes. You race towards the riders. Madri, you feel something hit your shell. There's momentary pressure, and then you feel like something launched off of you. As a bonus action, I'm going to give him a bit of an oomph, and I'm going to come out of my shell and push. <laughs> And that'll be 10 points of damage. You leap through the air. You get a little extra height. You can feel Madri do a push-up as you hit his shell. You launch through the air towards the horse. Grab the horse by the neck. If it doesn't fall, it needs to make a DC 13 strength saving throw or be knocked prone. You can feel the, the metallic taste of blood in your mouth. Never, never one to eat meat yourself. You find it grotesque, so you've always been a vegetarian. But when in wolf form, there is something pleasant about the taste of blood and flesh. It does something to you, something primal. You lose control once you bite into the neck of the horse. The horse falls, and you tug and you tear and you rend at the throat. And it's a savage display because the horse is screaming. The rider, while not pinned by the horse, was thrown by the impact of you hitting the horse. He is now laying in the bushes. The horse breathes its final shuddering breath and when you lift your head up you can feel the blood dripping from your blood-soaked fur and there's a great satisfaction and i'm going to wait for my next turn but i'm going to put my gaze on to the guy who flew into the woods the last rider hits madri's shell he tries to swerve the horse is going far too fast for him to do that and hits his shell the horse almost stops abruptly launching the rider from the back of the horse. He goes over the head of the horse, lands with a thud on his chest, and loses his weapon. You think the horse broke its leg in the fall because the horse soon afterwards goes over Madri. There is a moment where you are fearful that the horse will land on you. You do get hit with the body of the horse, but it seems to have tripped and fallen off to the side. There is a snapping sound, a sickening sound, almost like a large branch a small tree was snapped in half, and there is a painful cry, a scream almost from the horse as it falls. Madri does feel bad about this. He's not very happy that he just killed the horse, but uh, do what you gotta do. And earring with longbow in hand. Longbow and battle axe. Approximately how far away from the nearest faceless one? About 40 feet. He's the one that's in the bushes. Okay, so. He was I, recently thrown. 
Bonus action, Zephyr Strike to increase my movement speed to get in and attack him. You break into a run just as that swirling magical energy and that gust of wind swirls about your body, and almost immediately you're upon him. So it's 21 for three points of normal damage and eight points of force damage. He's sitting up trying to extricate himself from the bush as your battle axe comes down on his chest. You feel the crunching of the bone, the splintering of the armor. There is a huff of air that comes from him as as you slam your battle axe into him and a spray of blood upon your knees and he drops with a shudder. I will sheathe the long bow and keep the battle axe out. The lone rider stands, staggers back a bit, looks at you and says, We just want the package. That is all we want. Give us the package and we will leave. The defenders of the Wilderin do not tolerate your ilk. I assure you, sir, this was an item that was stolen by this spawn. We had no choice but to kill. We want no trouble with you or your kind. Just give us the package and we will leave your forest alone. The nature of the package will be discerned, and if it has found something that does not pose any harm or danger to the wilderness, it will be returned to you. But until then, you turn and you take yours with you. I can assure you that the item we seek is of no danger. Your assurances mean nothing. It will be discerned. If we find it something that you cannot bear against us, it will be left at the edge of the wood. You have doomed your forest to death, little dragon. We will not stop coming until we have the package. I will kill everything that moves within this forest to get what is ours. Every man, woman, and child will die. Every creature will die. We will burn your forest to the ground. You may find that difficult to do. And I'm going to close and attack. He draws his sword. I will already have sword in hand. I'll draw my hand axe as I close. And do you want initiative? Or? We'll do initiative for the one-on-one combat. We'll do round robin for group. Okay. Uh, I have a nine. One initiative, sir. So I will be attacking with my sword and the hand axe. The sword is a nat 20. The hand axe is a 17 plus five. That'd be a 23. Thank you, twins. Nobody likes to show off, Bill. I love my twins. We like to show off. Usually I use these dice when I'm the uh, DM, but it's much more fun to use them as a player. Something will happen to them tonight, I'm sure. Uh, the, you know, there is the distinct possibility that, but... Um, the ocean is not far away. <laughs> so that's a total of 15 points damage. As the sword comes down and strikes into the shoulder. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to double that damage because it was a nat 20. So that uh, 15 plus uh, another 5. So that would be a total of 20. So that would be uh, 14 points from the sword. So as it bites down into his uh, shoulder, I will close and bring the hand axe down to the, on the other shoulder and then go right up into his face and remind him, Dark One, the defenders of the Wildren are ready and waiting for any and all that you and yours have. Put my foot to his chest and kick him off my weapons. He staggers back and falls down with a thud. Once I do that, I'm immediately going to look the direction of the, the foot soldiers and see if they are still advancing now that they no longer have leaders. They have broken through the tree line. They're starting to fan out. They're no longer running, but they're skulking. It's almost like they're trying to sneak up on you from the looks of it, but you know you see them, and they seem to know, but they just are hunching in an almost predatory fashion. Reach down and grab a fistful of horn or hair or whatever's on the top of this thing's head and drag it towards them and just hold it up with the face facing them. Are you sure you want to do this and just cast the body off in front of me? Turn away. 
There's a moment where you think their resolve may be wavering. A few of them look to one another, heads turn back and forth, then they start creeping towards you. Your death is assured. A half mile away, a hundred feet up a tree, every bird is hearing, yeah, fuck them up, good, go, get them. Madri. Uh, Madri has seen this. He, he had popped his head out after uh, taking out the horse. Uh, he sees this and um, stands up, cracks his claws. <laughs> Clean up crew it is. Okay. If anywhere they're within 50 feet of me, I will go attack. Not quite yet. I'm waiting. Hearing. Do I see Mokui? You see him in his wolf form, yes. I saw what he just did to the horse. Yes. I'm going to turn around. Or actually, I'm still heading towards where I think the other rider yes. is. So that's the direction I head. And you you come across Longway, who's got the other rider, who's very clearly dead. He's got him by the by a tuft of hair, showing his face to the uh, to the ones that are creeping up towards them. Longway? Yes? So we're going to wait for the attack, or... I was waiting for you to get here. You didn't even know I was here. Well, those aren't my arrows in that person's pack. My arrow never went off. Oh. My string broke. Oh. Well, that... Ow. Yeah. Well, then, you have other weapons. Let's clear the forest, shall we? And now that he's here, let's move forward. As a unified band, you start walking down the rise towards the foot soldiers that are fanning out in almost like a C-shape towards you. You guys better watch out. Moqui's no longer vegan. <laughs> Rough estimate, how many do we think we have? I'm not looking for exact count. There's a dozen. Going. Okay. You're fairly certain there's a dozen. And that's usually the number you're used to seeing in one of these units. Mm-hmm. That was the number of them when you defended Birch Grove. Every unit you came across seemed to be a dozen led by one rider. However, in this case, there were three. All right, then. As usual, I'll take the middle. Madri steps to his right. I'll be on the left. It will go around the table to do initiative, starting with Longway and ending with Earring. The enemy will go last if there's any left. We shall see. All right, so that's the initiative. So, axe in one hand, sword in the other. I'm going to take the one that's moved in the middle of the group that has moved closest forward and attack. That's going to be a dirty 20 and a 12. Uh, The 12 misses. Sword hits. Dirty 20 is a good hit. This could be eight points damage. Okay, you move in. There's an attack from your axe. He steps aside, making him a much smaller target. But then your sword, as he steps aside, is able to sneak up under his arm and catch him in the side. It sinks in, not as far as you would have preferred, but you have drawn first blood. Going to smile, bare my teeth as I do so. Quick little sideway glance at Madre, because I am a soldier and I do love combat. Dash? Oh, nice formation. Uh, Go get him, guys. Why don't I have any popcorn shrimp right here? Damn, I'm getting hungry. This is a good show. Madri? Madri, uh, he's going to run into combat. He runs forward, punches one of them directly in the face, or attempts to, takes a swing, and uh, in his overconfidence, he swings past the foe's face with a nat one. He tracks your punch, slowly turns his head back to you. There's no emotion on these faces. There's no sounds, not even when Longway stabbed him with the sword. Just nothing. They're clearly living things, but it appears as though their one objective is to kill, and that is it. You've never known any of them to have a name or be called by anything. No sounds uttered by any of the foot soldiers. Occasionally a rider will talk, or the assassin that was looking for the queen in Birch Grove. The foot soldiers are different. 
Nadri uses a key point and he's going to do a flurry of blows. He just uh, follows that punch through, accepts that he misses, and as he comes around, he lifts both of his feet. Ba-ba! 18 and a 21. Those are both good hits. The first kick hits him in his thigh. He buckles but doesn't go all the way down, and the second one strikes him in the head. That's five, ten points of damage. When your second blow strikes him in the head, there's a crackling, and the head flops grotesquely on his shoulders, and he falls backwards. Okay. I'm going to run up and attack the next closest one to um, Madri. Is he within five feet of me, Madri? Yeah, you guys are in a pretty tight okay. formation. Then I, I get pack tactics, so I'd be attack with uh, advantage. 15? 15 is a hit. And that'll be 10 points of damage. You take him off his feet. You grab him by the ankle and tug backwards. Once he's down, you leap on his chest, the crushing weight of your direwolf form, pinning him to the forest floor, and you close your jaws around his face, thrash about with this savagery that still is unsettling for your companions. This is what I call my version of the zooms. He will... (laughs) He'll claw at your face and your neck, trying to free himself from your jaws, but eventually he will go limp. Okay. Earring? I will attack the nearest one, as we're all in tight formation, and I'll remember to use my psychic damage this time. (laughs) I'm also double fisting the battle axe. Ten? Ten is a miss. I swing past. We're too early. He is able to step aside because your premature swing made it that much easier for him to get out of the way. He slaps the battle axe aside with his sword. They begin to close in, seemingly unfazed by their leaders being taken out almost immediately. Swords drawn, cruel skeletal faces in a perpetual smile. They close in on you, and that's where we'll leave it for this week. Join us next time as the adventure continues on An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. Thank you to our cast, Frank Whedon, Ben Petrie, Bill Robitaille, Louis Aponte, Sin Morse, and your DM, Scott. A special thanks to you, our listeners. You are why we do this every week. We'll see you next time in the dojo.